podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show on ESPN in association with Betfred. Good to have you with us, gang. Divisional round weekend coming into view. So we better get straight down to business and break it down for you. Two brilliant guests coming your way. Ollie Hunter making his season debut in a little bit. Ollie, of course, erstwhile producer, broadcaster, uh, Packers expert, uh, long-time member of the NFL UK community. So looking forward to getting all on the show for the first time this year and Iron Mike leading things off. We're going to give the Packers game to Ollie, understandably. So the other three to Iron Mike looking at all the key matchups where those three games will be won and lost. So let's get straight to it. Hi, right, Mike. What's occurring? Well, it's raining outside, uh, stuck inside. This is the first time I think that my son and I have both been on Zoom at the same time and doing different things. He's he's doing his his year year twelve studies, and uh, and his teacher forgot for his teacher forgot to send him a link for the Zoom meeting. Uh, Let's hope those Zoom calls don't splice. Otherwise, you know, year twelve are going to start getting Mike's breakdown of the Buck Saints game imminently. Yeah, and you're gonna get a you're gonna get uh, chemistry A levels. <laughs> Great, so, yeah, that bring back some go. happy memories. Terrific stuff. All right, Mike, let's get down to business. Then three games we are previewing with you, starting with Bill Belichick's former charge. Of course, these days uh, rolling with it in Florida. Brady versus Breeze, Buck Saints, probably for the last time. Breeze, we're all expecting to retire at the end of the season. A lot of emphasis as we go into this game, Mike, on on the two matchups this season. The Week One game where the Saints. Uh, beat Tampa Bay pretty straightforward in the end, 34-23. Then, of course, it was a shellacking week nine, 38-3. But a lot has changed since week nine. Absolutely. The battle of the ages um, is is going to, going to be a good one. Drew Brees' birthday is tomorrow, by the way. Right. So the, so the number goes up to 85 up. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> from, 80, from 84. I think that's yeah, yeah. that's kind of coincidental. And um, I, I, I think that this is definitely a buck, different Bucks team. Mm. Um, things have come together partly, I think working out the Arians Brady compromise sort of on how the offense should run Mm. or directly Antonio Brown has made a big difference in this team, which people haven't noticed that much because he hasn't had this huge game in it, but he's always another threat. Mike Evans, you know, is not a hundred percent. It's easy to see that. Um, But, but Brown is always that, that big play threat, even on, on short passes. So that's made a huge difference. It gives Brady those multiple mismatch possibilities that he thrives on. And if you watched last week's game, Gronk, who I had said to everybody, you know, touchdown scorer, Gronk, take Gronk in this one. Gronk only had one pass thrown to him. He was basically doing what the Patriots did with him in the Super Bowl run uh, the year they beat the Rams. He was he was acting as a third tackle. Right. You remember him and him and Trent Brown, um, you know, clearing out people on the line of scrimmage. That wasn't such a big thing um, because Ronald Jones wasn't there. But Fournette had had a good game, his best game since he was a Jag. Mm -hmm. Um, And. Uh, the, the other key thing was he was blocking one-on-one with Chase Young quite mm-hmm. a bit. And, and Young, you know, the thing with Brady, which people forget, is that they say, oh, they've got a great pass rush. Um, if your pass rush is going to come from the outside with Brady, he's going to step forward. Right. His first move is always to step forward, mm-hmm. even after the Giants figured that out and beat him twice in Super Bowls. 
on a game plan basically based by making sure that he couldn't step forward. Justin mm-hmm. Tuck in particular coming up the middle, making mm-hmm. sure he had hands inside so that OC and the other guys could, could rush on, on the outside mm-hmm. um, and trap him that way. So, you know, I, I look for New Orleans to be able to do that. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to even see them switching some of the ends like Jordan inside on occasion uh, mm. on their pass rush. And they're a very good defensive team, um, mm. you know, and I think I think people are overlooking how how steady a defensive team they are and how how effective they were um last week against the bill the bears now understanding that the bears are not a dynamite offensive team but you know but um new orleans is the only team in the playoffs who are in the top five in terms of points allowed and and points scored Mm. uh they're fifth in each category which points isn't the greatest you know measure of how good or bad your defense is but it's a sign that it's a quality defense just in terms of the battle of the trenches, Mike, uh, to, to elaborate on that a bit more, ESPN's Jenna Lane wrote a great piece about how and why the Bucks' offense is markedly different from that week nine game. And, and you've nailed it. Antonio Brown was somebody she she emphasized as well. But she also talked about Ali Marpet being out from the line in that game and how that had a significant impact into all in all kinds of ways, including communication. Uh, so now they're at full strength. How do you see that battle playing out? You said it's a very impressive Saints D. They're going to have a clear game plan for Brady. Are they going to be able to execute it? Um, well, that's always the question, isn't it? Um, I think I think that line is pretty good. Um, and Worf's, uh, the rookie right tackle, has been excellent. Um, you know, and probably Armstead's had a had a great season, and a great season for him means staying healthy, mm. uh, which is which has been his problem throughout his career. Um, they got another rookie in there, Ruiz at, at guard, um, who was a center in college, but they already had McCoy there at, at center. So it's a very very solid offensive line, and and the key to their game is running. I mean, when Kamara has a good running game, then the short passing game opens up even more and they are a short passing team. That's the, the one thing that Tampa might be able to take advantage of. And, and uh, they're fairly, they're fairly well-equipped to cut off a short passing game. Um, Their defense has been up and down through the season. You hardly know which, what defense is going to show up. And, Mm. and since Vita Villa was injured, that was a big part of of the game. They picked up McClendon eventually to replace him. And he's a decent player, but he's not Vita Villa. He's not a a big, massive presence the way he is. Um, And that, that could make the difference. New Orleans works on flexibility um, they've got a good secondary. Lattimore, you know, will be probably assigned to try to shut down one or, or the other um, receivers and make make Brady's life a little bit more difficult that way. Um, I know a lot of people are saying it's hard to beat a team three times in a season. And, mm. and it is, I suppose. Um, but I'm not sure that that's a solid rule to follow in this. Um, I'm not sure that the, the Tampa is good enough defensively to um, to keep New Orleans within scoring day and they new orleans might be good enough defensively to hold brady down so you know um it's it's a really tough call there's a couple of games this week that are, that are really yeah. tough calls but i know that a lot of people if they're thinking upset they're going to be thinking you know this is the one uh that's going to be the upset you know tom brady can't lose three times in a season um drew Brees doesn't have the arm that he had you know it's it's going to be good and and players 
on their birthdays tend to play better. I'm not sure on the day after their birthdays, whether, <laughs> whether so they do or so not. Yeah, there was an interesting essay about by Bill James on that years ago. I'm expecting Breeze to have a fairly quiet and early night. As Tom Brady, of course, as we know, likes to be in bed by half eight, apparently. Just on... Um, yeah, well, if I was married to yeah. Giselle, I probably would too. <laughs> Just on the progression of this, of this Bucks offense and what that has done, and I know there's still plenty of ball to play so maybe this question will be easier to answer at the, at the end of the season when we know exactly how it's played out but the fact that they've got to the divisional round they've been rolling certainly for the last six seven weeks what has that done to those detractors Mike or the argument that the detractors have put forward about Tom Brady that uh, he wouldn't really be able to thrive anywhere outside of uh, of New England on the basis that Brady comes back next year as well and does more <laughs> of the same what has this final chapter of his career done to his legacy um, I mean, obviously, if they went on to even make the Super Bowl, it would be greatly enhanced. But I don't, you know, I never, I never paid much attention to those people in the first mm. place. Um, you know, they struggled a bit in the beginning, but um, they were still winning some games. Mm. And and um, this was a team that that was, as I said, as as and as other people said at the beginning, Tampa was a team that was a better team than their record because. Jameis Winston for all of his touchdown passes turned the ball over and cost them two or three wins almost individually um, last season. So they weren't a seven and nine team. They were nine and 17, maybe a 10 and 16. And they added Brady. They added Gronk. They added other players. You know, they, they built a contender. They went out and got uh, the, the makings of a contender. So I think, it's been relatively easy for him to do what he wants to do in the last month. He's looked like a much younger Tom Brady. He's yeah. better than he did the last couple of years in new England for sure. Yeah. And that tells you a lot about what he had around him in new England. You mm. know, that it was, it was hard for him to be a transition quarterback, which is what he had to be in new England. It was easy for him, easier for him to be a, um, a leader quarterback on a loaded team, you know, mm. and, and not that the Bucks are the best team in the league, but on a team that was playoff caliber when he got there. And they are stacked. And on that point, that's another faintly ridiculous argument that uh, your favorite phrase, the mouth clowns have been, uh, have been spitting out for a lot of the season. He's got too much talent around him. I mean, but in all seriousness, is, is that ever a, a, a serious, a genuine problem that you can have too much talent around you? Cause I look at that and think that's a, an absurd argument. Yeah. I, is, I is there agree. any, any validity in it at all. I just don't get the rationale. The, the problem with having too much talent around you as, as it's defined is simply trying to keep that together. Um, keep the players happy. Keep, and not keep the players happy, but more important the next year, can you keep the team together? Right. Okay. Um, that tends not, you know, having too much talent tends not to last yeah. because guys move on and everybody, everybody wants to wants think to get paid. that they're a star and they want to get paid and there's no, yeah. nothing wrong with that, you know? Um, but yes, that, that team has, you know, Ooh, what would you say? I'm just, I'm just taking a quick look down the depth, down the depth chart here, mm. you know, and, and any number of players who could be pro bowl, you know, legitimate pro bowl contenders mm-hmm. um, and a great draft because Worf's, you know, has been a great rookie and Winfield on defense has been a great rookie. Um, you know, so they hit on those two. They've had other contributors down there. I, you know, I just think, I think it's a team that's built to succeed within Brady's time frame. Yeah. You know, if they don't win go now, way, if they don't go all the way this year, people mm. will be expecting them to be a real contender next year, especially mm. if Breeze retires, they become the favorites in the, right. in the division next season. Yeah, I, I yeah, think yeah. almost without a doubt. 
That's a great point, actually. This is kind of win or bust for, you would think, for, for New Orleans. For, for Well, it depends on the succession plan, of course, but it's certainly a, a, maybe a better opportunity than they have for the next few years to, to go all the way. Let's move on to Ravens-Bills, another pick em game. Mike. <laughs> yeah. There's a huge amount of praise for, for the Ravens' D, Wink Martindale, um, called their coordinator, because all season long, and particularly how they shut down... Derek Henry so effectively in, in the wild card, the super wild card round, but the Bills pose a different threat, don't they? So how does this Baltimore D match up with Josh Allen and the Bills? Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting. And and Martindale hasn't had any offers, I think, as far as I know, crazy to, for head coaching. And and a lot of people think it's crazy, not just because he's good with the X's and O's, but because he's a um from from all all reports a really good leadership type an affable right. type that the players love to play for you know kind of and, adam gaze type yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that can work against you because you know we've seen mad dog defensive coordinators <laughs> you know who who turn it who are not great head coaches because right. they they lose the other half of the team or they don't have a big picture buddy ryan springs to mind in that sense a brilliant defensive coordinator mm. um but you, you know you can't run both sides of your game on on beating the other side of your team hated offense <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and but it's a bit um, of a drawback isn't it yeah. what they did what they did in in against tennessee was um and it's good for it's easy for them to do in a sense um because they're basically a three four team mm-hmm. and they have a good front three and and one of their problems earlier in the season was that guys like calais campbell weren't fully healthy you know they they needed to get that that together so they were they were moving everybody back a little bit and reading they were they were really playing read and react which is what a three a three front defense does anyway because you're asking your your big beefs to hold up the blockers the three guys job is to hold up five blockers basically mm-hmm. and you're asking the other guys to read and react you know but they have to do it quickly so that so that did two things it both let them rush to the ball to find the hole to stop derrick henry and 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 they were going low on Derrick Henry from what I could see, but it also let them kind of um, flood the, the short passing lanes mm-hmm. that the Titans like to use, especially with their tight ends. Um, and that wasn't very successful for them either. Mm. Um, so again, um, it depended on them being able to man cover the receivers. Mm. So they basically man covered AJ Brown and um, um, Corey Davis, Corey Davis, uh, the whole, the whole game. Uh, and, you know, um, when they zoned, <laughs> Peter's got his interception. Um, like on that, I've got just an interesting theory because we look at the the neutralization of Henry and the impact that that had on the play action game as well. Because obviously, you know, if you're uh, if if you're eliminating that, it's bound to have an impact on the on the play action game, and and that is a big part of, of that Titans offense. But I'm interested in your because I've heard that theory being banded around quite a lot. But I'm interested in your take on it because in the game earlier on in the season they shut Henry down for three quarters and then he blew up in the fourth quarter in overtime so is there ever a it, I guess what I'm asking is if you're shutting down a running back like Henry for the majority of the game how much impact does that have on the play action because at, at any point he could go off if you, if you if you if you take your eye off it yeah the funny part about play action is that you don't actually have to have a good run game in order to be able to run it. Mm. <laughs> it's almost the idea of it. And, and right. I al- the threat of it. Exactly. Yeah. I always laugh when, when you see guys biting on the play fake 
when they're when the team that's doing it is down by 17s <laughs> sure. when, when you when you know it's third and eight you know yeah. they're going to throw you yeah, know yeah, and, yeah. and you know um and, but and is that guys, different with henry because he could go at any time is yeah, that yeah i mean you have to you have to acknowledge that henry can break can break it if he breaks the first tackle he's going to be mm-hmm. hard to he's going to be hard to bring down so you, mm-hmm. you have to allow for that and they were never you know they were never wildly ahead in that game either so mm. you know it wasn't like the, the titans had to throw mm. um so you, you had you had to respect that but that's the way that that defense was set up as long as you didn't pinch so much that Tannehill's bootleg series um mm. you know was was going to kill you which what which is what happened the week before um you know Tannehill had a number of plays where they were really selling out run blitzing from the outside to, to stop Henry mm. and Tannehill had easy, had easy. Made they did, they, they didn't do that. Um, they they mm. were very careful to avoid it. I thought it was a great plan. Now against the bills, this becomes a different story because the bills running actually isn't going to worry you. Um, Singletary and Moss. Now, yeah, they can break a run, mm. um, but you can also uh, contain them. So my question, question will be whether they something similar the bills receivers um stefan diggs uh and and probably who's ever on the outside now john brown has looked awful since he came back and you know he may um he may still be you know suffering effects as it were yeah um but but um the rookie um gabriel davis has looked Mm. really good um replacing brown and and does more things than brown does he goes across the middle better um so you know i i expect that they'll man cover Diggs and maybe even double him uh Mm -hmm. because Diggs obviously is the key there and then they'll count on that same kind of squeezing the middle to to keep cole beasley under control and yeah you know, and, and in the conditions in Buffalo, which it doesn't appear it's like it's going to be snowing, but it's going to be cold and windy. 40% chance of snow, apparently. Yeah. It's, it's, you <laughs> I'm know, an optimist. Like, I'm hoping it will. Like 30, you know, mid 30s probably, yeah. Um, yeah, which yeah. may be a couple of degrees too high, but but mm. it's going to be windy as well. So mm. that could make the passing game difficult. And that's that's what leads me to think Baltimore is in with a better chance. Better shot. In this, in this game, because they, mm. they, the Bills really are a pass first team. And, you know, yeah. um, what were they? They, they scored 500 over 500 points and i saw a really interesting thing that you know of all the teams that have scored over 500 points in a season in the last whatever it was years only two have actually won the super bowl <laughs> really <laughs> yeah cool that go figure hey our friend mike Tanier um had a really interesting point on that passing game so he pulled the stat in his column from sports info solutions was the source the bills led the nfl in completions and yards to the left and right sidelines in the regular season. And Mike was talking about, the, uh, yeah, it, I know where he's going. Yeah. I know where you're going with this. Lamar Jackson doesn't. Right. Exactly. So they, <laughs> well, they, well, they don't have the, they don't have that range. So if we're talking about neutralizing respective threats, because this was, this was the interesting thing that the, the, the flip side of this against Tennessee, when we were talking about this on the, the edge rush show, we looked at if both sides managed to shut down and neutralize the primary part of, that team's offense. So the ground game in, in both cases in the Baltimore Tennessee game, then what's left? And and there's more upside with Baltimore. And Lamar proved that perfectly, of course, with one of the the, the, the plays of of recent playoff memory. So if the same thing happens here, if the Ravens are able to neutralize digs and 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 to shut down the impact of the passing game in the way that you've described, Mike, and conversely, the Bills are able to sh- limit Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins and the ground game then where did Baltimore go next? Um, 
yeah, when you watch Lamar Jackson throwing, his his looks are basically up the middle. Mm. Um, he doesn't have the arm strength, um, and and so he looks to the middle. He can place balls nicely on on deep passes, but they're a two receiver team as well for the most part. And Willie Sneed, like Brown, has not looked good since he came back. Um, so you've got Hollywood Brown. Um, and, and then you've got Mark Andrews, the tight end, as, as their two big receiving threats. They, they like to throw to the backs a lot, so does Buffalo, for that matter. Mm. Um, but where they go is Lamar Jackson running. And, you know, and they'll go, they'll go to Lamar. And, and if, you, if you're watching, you know, Tennessee did a pretty good job of holding him in check until he dodged the rush and went up the middle. And, you know, the guy spying him, and I can't remember who it was, but missed the tackle basically at, at, at the line of scrimmage or a yard behind. And once he was past that, he was pretty much gone. Mm. And so I think Buffalo is pretty well equipped to keep him under control in the sense that they have a couple of really quick linebackers. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they came out in nickel, strangely enough. Um, but, but Edmonds and Matt Milano are both really, you know, fast and, and they'll, they, they may even play those two plus a spy. I, I don't know exactly mm. how they'll do it, but I do know that Buffalo is primarily a zone defense team. Sean McDermott has always been that kind of way. And, and when you play Baltimore, you almost have to be in zone, you know, or maybe you let, maybe you let one guy man cover, um, mm. you let, you let, uh, white Tredavious white cover Hollywood Brown to take him out of the game. But when you're playing zone, it's a simple, it's a simple fact of life. When you're playing zone, you can see what's happening in front of you. When you're playing man to man, some of your defenders are going to have their backs to the line of scrimmage and they're not going to see when Lamar Jackson breaks the pocket when he goes, you know, and becomes a runner. And that's Mm. a huge advantage for Lamar Jackson. So, you know, I think in that sense, the bills are pretty well equipped to stop the run. They're not bad up front. People are saying, oh, they're, you know, they're not bad up front. Ed Oliver is a really good player. Um, you know, they've got a couple of guys who played in Carolina for McDermott, like, like Addison and Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think to me is, is, is where the matchup is going to be won or lost is, is, is how well, um, they can, they can control the planned running game and force Jackson into the pocket and then control him when he's in the pocket. That's, that's, om- that's almost the key. And it's, it's a big, it's a big ask. And I think it's why Baltimore, um, Almost could, you know, they're not going to be favorites, obviously. But no. this game to me is a pick them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't you know, agree more. And, and it, if you were betting, I know you've done your, your betting podcast, but if you were betting, I would probably skip the points entirely and just take take them on the money line. Take the money. Yeah, that's what we did. Although, uh, yeah, well, I won't give I won't give up the ghost. You have to go and listen to Ed Rush, see, see which <laughs> yeah. way we shaved there. But um, let's talk Browns Chiefs because, you know, seemingly more clear cut. Certainly the, the Chiefs at the time of recording this are double digit favorites those um those shine retiring pittsburgh steelers i'm like chase, <laughs> chase claypool uh, has said that the browns are going to get clapped by, by the chiefs yeah a, a bit harsh I, I wish i wish they just you know look you're done go home <laughs> shut up you know um yeah pittsburgh's a team with a lot of work to do i think in in the offseason a lot of big questions to answer that are going to be difficult for them to answer because they're they're a franchise that prides themselves on continuity, you know, right. and, and hanging with things. Um, one, maybe, I'll what, just give what, you maybe 
what Claypool means is they give him, a, them. give him a guard of honor when they when they come on yeah. the field and clap them that way. That could be what they go where they go with it. Yeah, maybe they maybe someone will stomp on the on the logo at the center of the field. You know, which only which, if they're putting on TikTok. Otherwise, yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah. What are we? <laughs> six years old? You know, um, if somebody stops on a logo and you're not recording on TikTok, does it really happen? <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't get slimed on Nickelodeon, does it? Really okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I think that that it, it's fair what he, what he says. Um, and when you look at, when you look at the, the way it breaks down, the Browns are fairly simple defensively to be able to attack in ways that, that Kansas city will attack them. And I think that to me is, is what leads me to, you know, pick Kansas city for the game. I think mm. everybody straight up would pick Kansas city for this game, up, mm. um, including Chase Chase Claypool. <laughs> He's definitely um, on that, on that train, just on, um, on neutralizing Mahomes. I'm keen to get your, your take on that, Mike, because I guess Belichick's had the most success in the past in that respect. Would you say, is that fair to say? Yeah, they, they've done well. I mean, you know, they did well this year when they played them. Um, you know, if their offense had been able to, you know, what, what that was the game that Hoyer threw away, right? Yeah. You know, through, when they were, what was it, three three at the time? I think yeah, at, yeah, at yeah. the half, and they could have been going into that at half six three. Yeah. Um, when when Hoyer missed that up, and, and and basically they they try to control Mahomes in the pocket, not not let him get outside very often, but they they block his throwing lanes for the most part. Um, they, they play mostly zone when they're, when they're playing him and they take, they try to take away with, with what you might call robber coverage in some ways, getting a safety up or a linebacker back. They try to take away that middle of the field for Travis Kelsey. So it's like, you're not going to beat us deep. We're not going to let you, we're not going to let Tyree kill get behind us and, and bet a big play. And we're not going to give you a lots and lots of, of crosses and drag routes to Travis Kelsey. Do you think that there are we're going to see a number of plays dialed up that that Reed and Bienemy have been sitting on that <laughs> waiting for waiting for the yeah. playoffs? Yeah, I'd love to. I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> it, but that's a situational kind of thing. If they need mm. them, they will. They will. I don't think they'll go. Well, you can always go to one early mm. if you want to get that first score. But you know, I mean, think about last year when they went behind to the Texans, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then came back and, and routed them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, did the, did the Texans trade? Um, Deshaun Watson for James Hardy, Harding. Harding. I think so. Um, there are rumors, lots of, as we were saw, recording, it's a lot of buzz on Twitter. Yeah. 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 I, I was, maybe I was getting the headlines confused. but I but, think it was a four-team um, yeah. trade, so I think I think uh, the Chargers are involved as well. I think this is going to be a real test for the Cleveland defense. Uh, their, their game plan, I would assume, would be to control the ball on the ground. Um, I mean – who needs coaches anyway? They didn't have a coach. They only practiced two days last <laughs> week, and and it did. But but Stefanski, in my mind, is one of the front runners for coach of the year, um, and that was simply a case to me of bringing in a guy who was going to be able to do what you needed to do with your your biggest weapon, your most yeah. important, which is which is Baker Mayfield. Mm. They brought in a guy who was perfectly suited to get the best out of Baker Mayfield, and that's what he did. Mm. Um, and you know they're not Baker hasn't carried this team, but Baker's mm. done exactly what he needs to do right. to make the team successful. Um, With and- the ground game, Mike, everyone talks about the Achilles heel, defensively speaking of the, the Chiefs being the run D, right? And obviously that's the strong suit of, of the Browns offense. Jay Bell on our show on Monday, Mike, talked about Spags liking to take out to neutralize your primary threat, better check in, 
Brighton style, right? So in terms of that matchup, how bad is this Chiefs run? Because we keep hearing it's terrible. That's how you gash the, that's how you gash the Chiefs. But is it as bad as everybody makes out? Well, it's bad numerically, I suppose, but they've, mm. they've got people up there, you know, who, who can, who can stop the run. I think the problem lies mostly at the, at the second level, at the linebacker spot, their front, their front is not, is not that bad. And the, the question is when you sell, if you sell out to stop the run, mm-hmm. um, what are you giving up? What are you giving up? And, and with the Browns, it's mostly Jarvis Landry you have to worry about. They do scheme pretty well to get the tight end involved. Higgins has made some catches, but it's mostly Landry. Um, so I would actually be tempted, if I, were, if I were Spags, to shut off Jarvis Landry. Mm. Try to t- try to take him out of the, try to take him out of the game, um, you know, and then stop the run and make the other guys beat you. Uh, Harrison Bryant, uh, Richard Rashad Higgins, mm. um, you know, those guys are going to beat you. Those guys are going to beat you, but not not let Landry. Unlike the Steelers, for example, mm. um, but you know, but they won't go down twenty eight nothing. Hopefully, in the first uh, in the first quarter, wasn't that just like the the um and you were on the sidelines i know i was up in the booth but that first play of the game it was like peyton manning at yeah the super bowl yeah really. giant stadium i just it was like deja vu all over again you I, hear simmons and cousin sal were quite funny on this saying why were they why were they approaching the ball belichick and um belichick roddisberger and pouncy like it was some kind of bomb or landmine well, yeah it, well i think touch. i think what happened was that that roethlisberger looked down at james connor mm. and connor didn't want to like dive and hurt his quarterback mm. and roethlisberger was kind of looking like well you take it yeah. <laughs> right, i don't really right. want to dive at all that's <laughs> <laughs> amazing and um, it was it was really funny <laughs> just in that game the the browns ended up giving up over 500 yards of offense to, to pittsburgh right how much attention should we pay to that given the fact that the Steelers were in a hole it was an area yeah, of assault. That, that's why to... yardage that's why yardage is a bad indicator of, right. of how good a defense is because it's situational and points are not that great either because when you're up like that you're going to let ben dink you know dink and mm-hmm. dunk uh, lots of passes and, and come up with lots of yards and then... but he was carving them up quite easily for a lot yeah. of that time as well wasn't yeah he? Yeah, and I think that's what the Chiefs are going to be able to do to a certain extent as well, mm-hmm. as long as they can keep Miles Garrett, you know, off of, um, off of, off of Mahomes, and and mm-hmm. um, as long as Andy doesn't sort of like punt on fourth and one and down. What was what was Tomlin? He was down thirteen, I think, and and he punted. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah, in the fourth incredible. quarter I mean, after they mounted this comeback. Incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just thinking, you know, you you deserve everything everything you get um, you get here. And I mean, the other thing they could do is what um, the Packers have done. And I know you'll talk you'll talk to my man Ollie about this, but you know that game matches up a thirty nine year old left tackle on one team, Andrew Whitworth, who has no business being healthy enough to play. I mean, you know, he's rehabbed an injury in like record time. And, mm. and for guys over 300 pounds, that's not easy when you're talking about knees. Right. And he had, he had a great game uh, for the Rams uh, last, last week. And, and the Packers went out and signed, you mentioned back Terry being, yeah. being out. They went and signed Jared Veld here who started for the Colts last weekend. <laughs> and I mean, I, it's a COVID thing, you know, but it's the, probably the first time in NFL history or certainly probably since the 1920s in the days when they were like the rugby league and you would, you would buy guys in for the playoffs, you know, and um, that, that a guy has started in the playoffs for two different, two different teams, teams. Yeah, in two incredible. different weeks. And I'm, and I have no doubt he's going to start. 
Um, yeah. You know, join the team on Tuesday or whatever. He'll go through three practices and start um, because he, you know, he, he's basically that that good a tackle and he's rested and rested and ready. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I love, love this idea that you sit out the whole season, you play two games for one team and one team, one game for another team, uh, two of them in the playoffs. And well, why stop there, Mike? I mean, let's, I think he's just bouncing to, you know, whoever progresses has to take him onto their roster for the next, <laughs> for the next game, get him into the, get him to the Super Bowl. I'm, that I'm, one. Not, I'm not sure if they can now because, it, it was a thing of him, his being on the practice squad. Ah, okay. And, okay. and because you were allowed to, you know, to promote and then demote guys off the practice squad, mm. um, they were he was able to be taken. Um, okay. For, by by the Packers, but I mm. think the Packers have him on the active roster, so um, I hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> it would be that. it would be great wouldn't it you know it's like <laughs> that is <your> player. <laughs> it's like i don't know it, it, it would be really good if someone said you know Deshaun watson's not doing anything this week why don't we bring him in we'll take a look take a look at him on on a kind of trial seven day uh, buyer return basis <laughs> um, now the nfl get, would be so much more interesting if we could do that just pick up we could um uh, we can get more of your thoughts on the divisional round on your Patreon column, right? Patreon.com yeah, forward slash Mike Carlson. FMT? FMTE, yeah. Yeah, it's a big week this week, too. I've got a lot of stuff to write about, um, you know, based, uh, based on what's happened. The all-rookie team's going to be out there as well. Nice. Nice. Um, and, yeah, it's it's uh, the coaching carousel, which we haven't even mentioned. But, you know, there, there's um, bodies falling by the wayside. I was, I was the first, I think, mm. to suggest – realistically that Doug Peterson could be up for the ax yeah, and, right, right, and right. Mike McCarthy. Although I think that firing the McCarthy's job Nolan. is safe. I think that's yeah. what firing Mike Nolan and Harry right. and Quinn um, do, does for you. But um, the Peterson thing didn't really su- surprise me at all. Um, although when you read on what I'll be writing about are, are some of the intricacies that have been suggested, you know, about that. It wasn't that he had a bad season. It was, he had a bad season and what went in and didn't want to change anything, mm. um, which was his problem ever since he's lost Frank Reich is. Should he be given more grace because of the Super Bowl win? Do you think? I think he's already been given that, you know, mm. and, and I think what they needed um, at some point, and we, we talked about this, you know, the, after the first year, you know, instead of get bringing in a defense, an offensive coordinator, he promoted two of his position coaches right. jointly. And what that meant was he was the offensive coordinator. Uh, and he needed that. He needed that input from someone like Frank yeah. Reich, who was, yeah, yeah. and who was also calling the place. He wanted to call the place. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's a problem. You, you have to, Jim Schwartz left, you have to, you have to look for a replacement. You can, you can keep promoting Bill Belichick's done that, mm. you know, only very occasionally brought in somebody from the outside, but that's because he coaches everything <laughs> and he has a better track record of it. You know, Doug had the one good run. Right. Um, right. So, you know, I, I love the rumor that he's going to, that he could be hired by the Seahawks to be the offensive coordinator. Mm. Um, although, you know, my gut feeling is that Pete Carroll wants someone who will run the ball even more often than Brian. <laughs> is that possible? <laughs> which, What's Chad Gailey up to? Actually, Chad Gailey's a free agent. Maybe Chad, 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 Chad's a free agent. That that's an interesting one too. Um, mm. Because I thought Chan and Tua were a pretty good fit. And now everybody, mm. everybody who was saying the dolphins were tanking for Tua is now saying the dolphins have to trade to <laughs> Trade to uh, uh, or yeah, draft a quarterback. Uh, either, I won't, or, either or. I won't mention what game it was, but mm. <laughs> I was watching one of the games by um, 
and I won't mention who was broadcasting it, mm. but literally the play-by-play guy sc- shouts the whole game like he's doing PTI. <laughs> and the lead color guy, they have two color guys, the lead color guy contradicted himself constantly. He would say something and then a minute and a half later, literally contradict himself with what he was saying. And, and no one would, no one would say, no would one say, say a word about it. Yeah. And I'm saying, yeah, well, it's easy to be a really sharp commentator if you can change your mind every minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> They've got to do this. And then they do it. Says, yeah. They can't do that. They can't do that. Why don't well, they, they do just it? said they have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Statler and Waldorf. I think we should get Statler and Waldorf. If they get Nickelodeon to do games, I think we should get Statler and Waldorf to, to call a game. You know, if you were, if you and I were a little bit more like Brady and Breeze, age wise we could be Stadler and Waldorf. I mean, I'm already there. Hey, I'm not I, don't want behind, to, I don't want to have to fight over which one I am. But, yeah. That's the worst show I've ever seen. You weren't here last week. That's my, that's my favorite one. On that note, we've got to get out of Dodge. Uh, cracking stuff, Mike. Uh, Mike Carlson, FMTE. Uh, it's the Patreon column. Check out I'm Mike Starnings. We'll push that out on our social channels as well. Come back and see us soon, bud. Always a pleasure. Brilliant stuff from mine, Mike. He'll be back very soon. You can count on that. Three games down, one to go. Let's look at Packers-Rams with Ollie Hunter. Ollie Hunter, it's great to see you. Great to have you on the show. And I love the fact, as all our best guests uh, take things seriously, dressed up with a, a resplendent in a red Texas Tech hoodie. Yes, yes I have. Well, I knew I was following Carlson, so I had to do something kind of kitsch or, mm-hmm. or neat, something like that. I got this Texas Tech uh, Red Raiders jersey when I went to see um, I, I went to see Patrick Mahomes. I went to see Patrick Mahomes play for the Texas right. Tech Red Raiders against Baylor, and he slung. I think it was six uh, touchdowns uh, in a six. in a Thanksgiving <laughs> Saturday. Um, game it was amazing it, it, he was incredible and I didn't realize at the time what I was witnessing uh in, in the fact that it would be a bona fide hall of famer he would end up winning the Super Bowl I mean I thought yeah this guy's good he'll he, he may or may not do something in in the NFL but mm. um yeah so I had to get I had to get a, a jumper anyway I, every college game that I go to in the States. I love to get something from that team. So yeah. up here, if you're watching on the video, um, rubbish for the podcast stuff, but I've True. got also a, a Christian McCaffrey uh, bobblehead, which when we nice. went to go and see Stanford, um, they they were giving out to every single person that arrived. I think they had loads left over because it was a game against o- the Oklahoma uh, state beavers and uh, there was hardly anyone there <laughs> go beavers but, so, yeah it, it, it was good it was it, it was great seeing my homes i didn't get to see mccaffrey i still haven't seen mccaffrey yet um but uh, fingers crossed i will Loving that. Love, I love that idea. So we, you know, we've uh, been done a, a chunk of Super Bowls together and, and, and trips a- anywhere you are. Just grab as uh, always grab merch from the yeah. city you're in. Uh, that's a given. That's a day one. Uh, a lock. All right. We're going to primarily concentrate on the Packers. If we squeeze in a, a bit of time at the end on the, on the coaching carousel, some of the news there, changes that have been made. Uh, this week but we want to talk about Packers because of course you are uh, a, a broadcaster producer an NFL diehard and a Packers diehard so we thought who better to get on the show to talk about the Packers season today and this matchup as well which is intriguing isn't it because uh, a lot of people talking up the teams left in the race the Packers match up 
quite unfavorably against the Rams because we're talking about the best defense in the NFL. Almost all statistical categories, I think the eye test, most people would agree the Rams are the best in business. And we've seen earlier on this season, of course, that despite the brilliance of Rodgers this year and the offense absolutely flowing, you can disrupt them. The Bucs had a lot of success in getting that train off the track. So let's start there and the key matchups offensively and defensively, the Packers offense and the Rams D. Well, Rogers is for, he's for 0 and 4, the last four games against number one ranked defenses, mm. uh, which doesn't, doesn't bode well for him, for the Packers, uh, when you've got the number one ranked defense coming into town. However, uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Donald, uh, the Terminator, as uh, I saw. Um, yeah, McVay called him. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Rams, McVay called him that, and the Rams have put that up on their Twitter. Um, he, he suffered some, some issues in and around the ribcage area. I mean, he's, they're, they're going to say he's good to go. He is. It looks like he will be good to go. He even came back into the game. Um, and, you know and, what? That shows how hard he is. It's rib cartilage, isn't it? That is yeah. one of the most painful injuries you can get. And he's, there is no chance he's missing. I guess the question is, is it going to impact him at all? I mean, he, uh, you'll be you're hoping that he's not going to be at full strength. There's no way they'll be able to keep him on the sidelines and not play, though, is there? Well, exactly right. Um but they do have they do have some some ad, more than adequate backups. But you're going to get him to suit up, and when you've got got him and, and the rest of the guys on that on that line going up against the Green Bay offensive line, which has played exceptionally well the entire season. However, losing David Bakhtiari mm. just voted um, for his third Pro Bowl in his career, but right, widely regarded as one of the best left tackles in the business. Mm. Um, that's, they're, they're going to struggle because you have to double team Aaron Donald. Mm. And even when you do double team him, uh, he can still get round that. If you single team him on the outside, uh, he often gets round that. And he's got such pace, um, brilliant hands. So the, the, the hand stuff, the hand fighting that you get, he is so good at manoeuvring offensive linemen away or, or tight ends away. Mm. But the Packers... They do have the best blocking tight end in the league in Mercedes Lewis, who, mm-hmm. who will come in and obviously help out on, on that left-hand side. Uh, that's going to be a real, real struggle in and around the trenches. Um, Rogers has been, has been pressured far less than he has ever done this season. He's had far less quarterback hits, but that game against the Bears, that last game, it, essentially that was a, the, the Packers' wildcard game mm. uh, because they had to win that to, to get the number one. The Bears needed to get into, needed to win it or, or to get into the, um, into the playoffs. They, they lost and still made it anyway. But um, he, was, he was hit six times. The whole 15 games before that with Bakhtiari uh, and Co in and around, he was only hit 20 times. Mm. So without Bakhtiari, it's far, far more difficult. But Rodgers, there's a key thing about trust between Rodgers and Lafleur. In previous years, the, the back end of the McCarthy era and, and to a certain extent last year, uh, even though the Packers made a run to the divisional championship, um, Rodgers was taking far less hits and, and not prepared to be hit as he threw the ball. He would mm. either throw it, he would throw it away, which you can get stung. Um, for various things like uh, uh, intentional grounding and, and such like. But uh, he's now willing to take that hit. He's now willing to say, right, I'll take the hit because I trust my receivers. I trust the offensive uh, play caller in Matt Lafleur. Mm. I, I trust him to, for that ball to be taken. Um, 
Yeah, that and is fascinating. So- it's, it's fascinating the, the the Fleur connection. I want to I want to d- drill down on that more and and talk about because you're watching the Packers week in week out, watching all, all the game film. Talk about that because we see the numbers. They're the top scoring offense in the league, hitting almost 31 points a game. Uh, offensively, we're a better, much more efficient team and playing with a lot more confidence, says Rogers. Right? We know the narrative of the draft and the fact that outside of taking his successor, which apparently has motivated him uh, quite significantly, it also had the duality of short stacking them when they could have taken a receiver or another skill position, the, the scrabble, the trade deadline to look at getting in Fuller and trying to bring in a receiver, which is very unpackers like to try and do a deal before the deadline. So we're hearing all these things, seeing all these things, and obviously seeing week in, week out, most weeks, them absolutely flying. But but break that down for us a bit, bit more, Ollie, because you're right, last season, the record was deceptive. It was Rogers almost ignoring certainly going his own way a lot of the time from from what we could work out and, and crucially not buying into the, the game plan he's buying into it this time so what's changed well i think there was a an element of buying into it to a certain extent so the first two or three drives were always scripted mm-hmm. so there would be hurry up offense there would be scripted plays and, and and this is last season i'm talking about and then once the game plan had gone or, or that scripted element had gone um that's where Rogers would then go to his his default, which was at the back end of the Mike McCarthy era, where he wasn't trusting what was going on, the play calling. He would change the play at the line of scrimmage all the time. Mm. That's not happening as much this year. Um, we're seeing Rogers more and more in the pocket. He's doing less scrambling, less um, freelancing, mm. as it's called. Um, but what's also really, really helped is a proper running game. So, uh, Aaron Jones has, uh, again, had another stellar year. Um, Jamal Williams has backed him up and we've brought in AJ Dillon, uh, a, a draft pick from earlier this year as well. Uh, they're, they're all, Jones and uh, Williams are, are kind of similar, um, North, good north-south, good catching the ball out of the backfield. AJ Dillon's a, a, a third down running back, change mm. of pace. He's a big guy. He reminds me of Derrick Henry, actually. Mm-hmm. And we'll see him more and more used, I think, in this, um, in this playoff run as defences are tiring over having had to play 18 weeks or or, Mm. or whatever. Um, But we're seeing uh, wide receivers running their routes better, wide receivers catching the ball better. We're seeing seeing, um, the tight end Robert Tunyon runs with Onion um, catching catching (laughs) the ball and getting a load of touchdowns, something that Jimmy Graham wasn't doing for Green Bay. Mm. Weirdly, he ended up doing it for Chicago. But... um, so it's it's a myriad of, of things, of things coming together, mm. players playing up. Devontae Adams is outrageous, by the way. He is clearly the number one receiver in the league. Yeah. Uh, I don't it's care what anyone close. says. It's not close. This, um, this season is not close. What about the, yeah. the supporting cast? Because, you know, clearly promise, you mentioned some of them there, but, you know, about their scantling, but flaws as well. Is that, do you get a sense, Rogers, you know, much like Brady, I think, and, and, it's probably no coincidence that they demand a lot from their receivers. If there's a mistrust there, you're in the doghouse, forget about getting any looks. How has that gone? Because certainly in the middle of the season, there were there was a, a, a phase where, I guess, around the time of the trade deadline when they were looking to bring Fuller in, right? That We haven't got the, the, a complete set here, but that seems to have been, uh, they perhaps seem to have moved on from that. What's your perspective on how strong this receiving core actually is? I think the receiving core is really strong. You've got the number one wide receiver in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, Valdez Scantling is your real um, deep threat guy. 
his hands have come into question, mm. but he he has raw raw speed. He beats people with one or two movements. Uh, and then gets down the field. And Rogers is one of the most accurate passes on deep balls. He hasn't been throwing them much, actually, this year. But when he does, invariably, it ends up being either a really big gain or a touchdown. We had one last or two weeks ago against the Bears with Valdez Skentling. Uh, mm. Could have put Green Bay up. It was the first drive out of this into the second half. Could have put Green Bay up 28-3, to three, I think it was. And we know what kind of school that is. But um, I think the key element, the, the big, big thing is Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard, mm. uh, number 13, he wears on his back if you're watching on, on Saturday. Uh, he is a guy who does everything really well. He mm. runs his routes well. He catches balls well. But crucially, he's like, when he's in the game, especially on um, either running downs or downs where he is not going to be the primary receiver. He's a really good blocker. He's like a tight end, mm. he's, but but plays the, the wide receiver and, and essentially is a wide receiver. He reminds me of um, the latter years of Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, wow. The Japanese fighting fish where Larry was used a, a lot out of the slot, but very much um, as, a, as a blocking wide receiver right. for, for schemes, for running back running schemes or, or dump off schemes as mm. well. So, all of those things are coming together mm. and Rogers, Rogers loves Alan Massage. You get, to, if you, if you find anything on YouTube about, um, or, or on, on the Green Bay website about Rogers talking about Alan Lazard, he loves him. Lazard was missing for, for a few games mid season. Uh, and the, the offense was different. Uh, now that everyone's mm. back together, fit and healthy, that can only be a good thing. Okay. So let's look at the, uh, ways that you can beat this team because strong and we haven't even talked about Zadarius Smith and Jar Alexander and, and the brilliant pieces in the D and maybe we'll get onto that in a, in a minute but Rob Domofsky who is a, a writer I know you're a big fan of I'm a company man Ollie so of course I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the ESPN names but uh, interesting piece uh, in the build-up to the game uh, ESPN Packers writer a beat writer in case you, you haven't followed his work quoting a scout talking about how you can take down Aaron Rodgers and this incarnation of, of the Packers. You need a powerful run game and an elite defensive line, right? Well, that's exactly what the Rams have, right? They've got an elite defensive line and they've got Cam Akers, who is lighting things up right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cam Akers, what, um, what the Rams have done really well is, is really use their backs sparingly um, so mm. the, the start of the season, it was a, a Darius Henderson job. Um, then um, Malcolm Brown would come in and, and take some reps and Cam Akers would, would, would sit on the back burner. But um, he's now coming really into some form. Um, the Packers, up until the last five weeks, of, six weeks of the season, had a real problem against the run, a real problem. Um, Dalvin Cook uh, had 200 yards from scrimmage. Um, Ronald Jones ran all over them. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts, when when they beat the Packers, uh, also had a really good day on the ground. So mm. the Packers really struggled. That was a, that was a, that was um, that was sorted out by uh, Mike Pettin et al. Uh, and it pains me to say it because I'm not the biggest Pettin fan. And <laughs> right. the, the, the Packers didn't allow a, a hundred yard rusher for the last six of games of the season. Right. So that has been fixed to some extent when you're talking about that um when you're talking about a, a stout uh, defensive line mm. the offensive line of the packers have, have really stepped up as well mm. um 
in 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 that going back to that defense though, um, the, the run has been stopped because uh, Kenny Clark. It, it's it's coincided with Kenny Clark coming back from injury, um, and also moving some of the the linebackers. Not, moving some of the linebackers like um, Oren Burks, Christian Kirksey from rather pass rushing. They're now trusting uh, the two Smiths to get pressure and leaving them sort of hovering and waiting for, um, for running backs to, to break through the offensive line, mm. uh, the defensive line of the Packers. So the run, the, the linebackers are really uh, spying what's uh, opposing um Part, what opposing rushes are actually doing them bring them down before you get those big gains i wonder how much of an impact that will have in terms of which quarterback starts for the rams because of course at the time of recordings that's a big question uh because both uh, jared goff and uh and wolford have injuries wolford had a stinger incidentally that was why he went out of that game presumably you've had a stinger playing cricket because i know you love your cricket if you ever, <laughs> yeah. what's the what's the worst stinger actually no we probably won't know where to go there <laughs> is there a, a big difference there because obviously upside you can look at the upside with either wolford is more mobile more versatile there's less tape on him he's more of a, an unknown x factor goff is flawed but experienced and and certainly has a grasp of this offense uh, presumably to a much greater degree than, than Walford does being in the door in the facility five minutes Goff looked I thought going into the Seahawks game and I picked the Rams for that game that that neither uh, or either quarterback wouldn't necessarily impact too much for those reasons right you can spin the upsides and also look at the, the respective yeah. negatives but looking at the way Goff was struggling so much and I know he didn't turn the ball over but he was struggling so badly yeah, another week of, of rehab and uh, maybe they'll move on. But if if they are forced to play golf because Wolford hasn't recovered and he's not much different from what we saw against Seattle, the Rams are going to be in trouble, aren't they? Yes, yes, you'd think so. The, the, the big difference is the Green Bay defense is far better than that Seattle Seahawks defense. Right. Um, and I think any, any quarterback will struggle against the defense – one that's better and one that's had a, a week off. Mm. However, you're right. Goff does have a far better grasp of this offense, a far better grasp of, of the offense than he does of the ball with his dodgy thumb at the moment um, <laughs> right. than, than Wolford. But the bigger, the, the, I think the, the biggest thing in all of this is the perceived lack of um, not trust, but the breakdown in, uh, the the working relationship between Sean McVeigh and, uh, and Goff. Jared Goff. Yeah, and yeah. McVeigh really seems to have hung his hat on Walford, and it, it was the worst thing that could have happened to him, um, mm. other than losing the game. Is losing losing his starting QB, the guy that you've you've hung your hat on uh, ahead of the franchise guy that you spent a lot of money on, a lot of draft picks on. Mm. Um, and he who would you rather face? Who would you rather? So when it comes to game time. Who would yeah. you rather, as a Packers fan, see suiting up against you, starting against you? Know, you? I, I think I would rather have the young guy. I'd rather have Wolford come in mm. because it's a big playoff game in the cold, um, the frozen tundra of, of Lambeau Field. It's going to be minus one centigrade um, come the evening, maybe dropping to minus four. Um, it's, a, it's a storied, historic place. So I'd rather have the, the less experienced um guy in there than than have a guy that's 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 been taking his team to the super bowl mm. um but 
I'm not too worried either way because I know that Goff does have his massive limitations, the reading of the field stuff, mm. which still hasn't gone away. Uh, that that lack of that breakdown in in, in trust with Sean McVay. Um, so, plus, Goff is is less mobile. He he's mm. not as likely to run about as much, mm. which which. Uh, can affect Green Bay in some ways. I, I think back to uh, the 2013 uh, divisional game against the San Francisco 49ers where um, Colin Kaepernick ran all over Green Bay. And that yeah. still haunts me to this day. <laughs> it is, it, I guess, obviously, the fitness of, of Goff is going to be significant as to whether he's you know, 75% as opposed to 50%, which is what he looked like uh, against the Seahawks. And, 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 of course, pressure because Goff, like every quarterback in the history of the game, plays worse under pressure but Goff unlike every quarterback in the history of the game is acutely bad when he's under pressure so if uh, if the line can protect him and he's as I always say 70-75% then uh, then they can get into rhythm, establish Cam Akers, and it could get very, very interesting. We're breaking down that game incidentally on our Edge Rush show, uh, so you can check out that pod by the time you listen to this. Edge Rush should have dropped around about now, but unfortunately, oh, we're, we're out of time, uh, other than for you to leave us with a prediction. So what is your score prediction for Packers-Rams? Well, I'm going to I'm going to break it down. I think the Green Bay Packers will go up big in the first half, like nice. they do in pretty much every single uh, every single game that they've had to, that they've won this season. So I think it will, at halftime it will be something like 24 to 10, 24 seven perhaps. The the Rams will come back to within a score, uh, and then Green Bay will end up running out 34. 24 winners. Oh, I like that. There's a lot of points on the board according to Ollie Hunter. I like the sound of that. Hopefully we'll get snow at some point as well if it's going to be cold yes, conditions. Snow game. Yeah, we want that. We want that. Uh, I don't think uh, in particular Jared Goff does that. He's a California boy. He's not going to enjoy it. He's yeah. not going to enjoy that football weather. It's great to see you, bud. Thank you very much for dropping by. Uh, our listeners can follow you on Twitter, of course. Uh, Ollie Hunter? Yep. Yeah, our Ollie Hunter on Twitter. Don't bother with Instagram. I don't post anything interesting on there. But uh, at Ollie Hunter on Twitter, you, you'll occasionally hear me um, spouting off about football, uh, soccer and cricket on, uh, on on various radio channels as well. Indeed. And most importantly of all, Kitwatch. Uh, Ollie Hunter, the yeah. brain's behind Kitwatch as well. So get stuck in with that. It's great to see you, man. Thanks for dropping by. See you soon. Lovely to see you, Nat. Thanks very much, man. Thanks for having me. Fabulous stuff from Ollie Hunter, particular prop. Stripes awarded for that Texas Tech red hoodie. If uh, you want to see that in its full glory, head on over to our social channels at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's where we put out videos all week long. Uh, videos from the show, extra stuff as well, uh, and uh, lots of bonus content that rolls seven days a week, 365. Uh, big shout out to all of you who've taken time to leave a review on whichever platform you listen to us on. Uh, lots of love for the Edge Rush show coming on uh, over on our Apple uh, podcast uh, platform or Apple podcast page. So we appreciate that. And Edge Rush incidentally dropping with me and Propo this weekend, Saturday morning. So get set. It might even be earlier, actually, of course, because there are Saturday games. So keep your eyes and ears peeled to your feed wherever you subscribe to us. Edge Rush dropping in. We are back reviewing all the divisional round action on Monday with Greg Brady in the house. So make sure you join us Monday for that one. Enjoy the action, gang. We'll see you Monday. Bye for now. Sports 
Social Podcast Network.